Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, the fun therapist, homeschooling mom of two and wife of one, covering everything speech, language, play, development, homeschooling, and everything else that falls between. I am elated to be here with you guys another day. So we've got a few announcements before we get started. Let me tell you guys. Man, we are at over 2,000 downloads. Do you hear that? 2,000. That is a huge milestone. And what I would like, because my birthday month of November is coming up, we got to spread the word. We got to get the message out there so we can get to 3,000 even faster. Because why? We got to get told up to make sure our sugars are getting their very best from us. Next announcement, if you have not done so already, please go to www.iheartspeechtherapy.com and download your copy of Maintaining a Healthy You, the free ebook that I wrote just for you world changers out there, because I'm not only invested in your sugars development, but I'm also invested in you. And I want to make sure, world changers, that you guys are getting tooled up while you're pouring out so much, especially now during these times. Remember, y'all, we're better together as a community. And simply put, we want to slay parenting as best as possible. So please go download your free copy of the ebook. Again, you can find that at www.iheartspeechtherapy.com. So today is our first episode, the first release of the What Is series. And you might be like, Sharina, what is the What Is series? Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. In the What Is series, we're going to be discussing various things related to speech and language, terms you may have heard but may not know everything about, diagnosis that you may have heard of but you may not know about, but it's going to be more of the technical stuff. Now, do not give me that look or be like, oh, I'm a fast forward. No, no, no. It's going to be painless and it's going to be fun. And you guys are going to walk away tooled up with so much more knowledge. And not only that, we're going to be able to debunk myths out there about different levels of diagnosis and what that all means. So today we're going to kick things off with stuttering. And let me tell you guys, we have all been there where we get stuck on a word, or maybe we have some difficulties with word finding where we might get stuck in that, uh, 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 especially when we get in that anxious moment and we're excited or nervous or whatever emotion that's outside of the range of normal, <laughs> normal self, we've all been there. Those are simply put disfluencies. And disfluencies for us, they happen all the time. Nobody, nobody, even the best speaker in this world is absent from having disfluencies, which is just another way of saying that maybe you got stuck on something, a thought, an idea, a word, and you might have some word pauses or some something in there. Now, when disfluencies make our speech appear bumpy or uneven or stuck, that's when it becomes a stutter thing. That's when it becomes a stutter. And I want you guys to know some facts because when I went about this, I just was like, I love facts. I love finding out random information and I love bringing random information to you guys 
because it makes you like, oh, I didn't even know that. So here's the facts. Joe Biden, James Earl Jones, Marilyn Monroe, all were diagnosed stutterers. Yep, you've got it. And some speech pathologists out there tooled them up to where you wouldn't have even known, right? Worldwide, there are over 70 million stutterers. Did you hear that? 70 million. And 3 million are in the United States of America. 5% of all people stutter. And that's not that point in time to where like you're, you're gaining language. And I'm going to get into that more later. But I'm talking about in general, as a population, 5% of people stutter. And boys are four times more likely to stutter than girls. Now, I know you guys have come across somebody and you're like, oh, they have a stuttering problem. Maybe they need to slow down or maybe they need to do this or maybe they need to do that. But it doesn't always quite work like that because stuttering is a tricky, tricky, tricky little mistress. And for you, you species out there who are super interested in the field and maybe want some knowledge, stuttering falls under speech because it comes under the umbrella of the motor programming and the words that come out of your mouth. Did you notice my disfluency? Uh-huh. We all get them, right? But I go back to the main point. Stuttering falls under speech because it's motor programming. And that's a fancy way of saying the stuff that's coming from your brain goes to your mouth and you produce sounds to make words. But something in that process just goes awire to where you might have some bumpy moments. Stuttering is completely unpredictable. Most stutterers have no clue when it's going to happen, but once it starts, they know it's about to happen. And get this, some days are better than others. And it can occur in different settings. So that means that at home, you may be a little bit less disfluent than you are out in public settings. And one can kind of reason or infer and be like, well, maybe that's because, you know, in public settings, you're not in your comfort zone. You're not in your safe space. Absolutely. There's stuff related to that because there is an emotional component that comes along with people who have a stutter. And so it's not just the speech disorder. There is the other piece of things that make make it more difficult than others. Again, did you catch my disfluency? <laughs> but it makes it a little bit more difficult to get the words out. And so some causes of stuttering, this is the best and the worst of it. No one exactly knows what causes stuttering. All we know is that it's related to motor programming. But here's the but, there's always a but. It can be linked to genetics. That means somebody else in the family may have had a stutter or a speech disorder. I've seen it in practice a lot to where there's somebody else down the pipeline who also had a stutter or somebody else down the pipeline had some other speech disorder. And then what research has found is that individuals who are stutterers neurologically process speech differently. And here's the kicker about that. Just because we know that the brain processes speech differently still doesn't answer the why. Isn't that insane? 
And so we're only as good as our science. And as more studies are done, more research is done, we're going to find out more and more about the cause and like everything else, maybe come up with a cure or some techniques. Well, we already got techniques, so maybe a cure. (laughs) So when does stuttering occur? I mentioned this before. All sugars at some point have disfluencies. They usually start around two and a half years old. And why does it happen around that time? You guys should be all raising your hand, especially if you listen to the Milestone series, because we know that between 24 months and 36 months, that's when our language boom is happening and our sugars are getting all these new words and they're putting multiple words together and they're putting the words into sentences. And sometimes the brain has a hard time keeping up and processing that stuff and the mouth is trying to keep up and the brain is going 100 miles per hour. And so we see disfluencies at that age. However, we do not consider their speech disfluent at that time. They're too young. They're still trying to get things together and mentally organized. And so we show them a lot of grace and we give them a lot of time. So technically, you cannot be diagnosed as a quote unquote, I'm not recording on video today, so you don't see my little bunny ear fingers, right? (laughs) We're not considered true stutterers until after the age of three and a half. And some researchers, some clinicians will go as far as to say four. I am one of those ones to where I'm like, you can't see me for stuttering until four or after. And it has to persist or happen for six months or sometimes in some cases, even a year from onset. Onset is a fancy way of saying when it started. And most parents are pretty savvy about recognizing like, hey, no, this is possibly a real stutter. But I want you world changers to know something at this time and to be super cognizant about the fact that a little sugar who is disfluent at two and a half, who has added pressure to be completely without any disfluencies. Again, disfluencies is a fancy way of saying your speech is just fluid. There's no mistakes. But if that sugar is always corrected, it can accidentally turn into a true stutter. So world changers, be careful. This is where I talk about getting you guys tooled up because you are in the driver's seat and you have the greatest tools and the, you are the best asset to make sure that you're not adding that extra pressure. And so when little sugar is disfluent and you notice they're having a hard time getting their words out, especially at that age when they're still trying to do a million things at once. Remember, a million things are happening between that 24 and 36 month age range. And if you really want to be technical, we could say 18 to 36 months. And so we have to show them a lot of grace during this time to ensure that these sugars are not becoming self-conscious or insecure, or they're becoming panicky when it's time to get the words out. And so during that age, we really want to avoid, say it again, do it again. Like we don't, we don't tell sugars. And I generally, no matter what the diagnosis is, I never encourage a world changer to tell the sugar to say plus words. 
because it's too much added pressure. You model the language and you move on at that age. I did just go off, but I'm coming back. I promise. I had to throw that in there. Like I had to totally throw that in there because I can't have you guys out there, you know, not knowing. And that's why I'm here to make sure that we're all on the same page and we're all in the driver's seat. And we understand that if little sugar has a hard time getting their words out, especially if something happens on the playground and little Timmy did something, he, 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 in those cases, they're just real mad that something happened and they're just trying to get it out. And it's all those emotions that come along with that. I promise this is my second. I digress. You can tell I'm passionate about this one, right? Because <laughs> it's a real thing. And in some cases, it can be avoided. So how does it appear? Three different ways we see it. And it can be broken up even more. But just for us and for today's purposes, we're just going to break it up into what most people see and what most people hear and what's most common for individuals who have diagnosed stutters. And you notice by now I'm saying at this point, diagnosed stutter, right? We notice that they have blocks. A block would be like, m, m, uh, that's what the block sounds like. And the reason why we call it a block, if you notice, my voice just cuts off like somebody blocks you and you just have to stop real fast. Repetitions, just like it sounds, my, my, my. And it's usually pretty fast because they're just trying to get the words out. And you'll hear that over and over again. Sometimes they'll pause, recalibrate, and start over again. The third one that you hear is the Mm, mm. And that's when it's like the you can see the lips and the jaw tightening up in those cases. And you can see the body having a hard time getting out of that initial sound. And so the thing about it is you can have only one type or all types. You can have all of these disfluencies in your repertoire. You can. And when we do, when us speech pathologists do the assessment, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at it from three different perspectives. We're looking and we're counting how many is occurring. But that, that's a different story for a different day. Some secondary characteristics can also happen. This is not the block, not the repetition, not the prolongation. This is where the emotional piece comes in, which is why for you, World changers out there, if you have a little sugar that has a stutter, please don't add any extra pressure on them because that's when the secondary characteristics take place. And you have to think about it like this. If you're outside on a walk and every time you go on a walk, you fall down out of nowhere in front of everybody at an undisclosed time. You have no clue when you just fall down and it happens every day over and over. And some days you have less falls than others. But on most days, at some point, you're going to fall down. But if the world starts telling you, hey, did you know that you fell down? Hey, did you know that you fell down? Hey, get up and walk again so you don't fall down. Put that in the shoes of a person who has a stutter, especially a little sugar who's trying to find their place in the world. It can create some issues, right? And so the secondary characteristics of the behaviors that we see, because no sugar wants to stutter, 
we might start seeing eyes rolling in the back of their head, head movement, clicks, hard blinks, facial grimaces. And that's when you make like those those real harsh facial expressions. And the head movements that I've seen, it's really jerky movements. And some of the symptoms and the signs, they can be real subtle. And others are just pretty severe and they're just out there. And so I want you guys to keep that in mind when you think about interacting with someone who has a speech disfluency. Now, funny, did you guys watch the presidential debate, the only one that we had between Donald Trump and Joe Biden? So knowing what I know about stuttering, there were a few moments where I wondered to myself, is he not responding because he's using some of his tools to make sure that he does not put himself in a moment where his speech might be sticky and disfluent. Because stuttering, again, there's no pill you can take, right? You have to use your tools. And that's where the speech therapist comes in to help you out. And so when you think about it from that perspective, we have to, a lot of times, us world changers have to make changes to our behavior to help our sugars cope with their behavior, right? It's like our action, reaction, our action, reaction, right? And we want to try to make it as painless as possible because again, I am yet to meet the little sugar who's like, yay, I want this stutter. Like, yay, this is exciting. Now I've met some confident stutterers or confident kids who have a stutter, excuse me for saying that without person first, but I know some, some little sugars that, hey, look, they are confident no matter what, but they still don't necessarily want to have the stutter, right? And so what we can do is slow down our rate of speech. And that means when we're talking, slow it down. And I know you have to laugh to yourself and you're like, well, Sharina, how do you do that? Because you talk so fast. (laughs) I do, especially when I'm excited. But I have learned to be extremely sensitive and extremely careful when talking to my little sugars who do have a stutter. I slow down my rate of speech because, you know, almost everything gets me revved up and almost everything gets me excited. And it doesn't take much to get my pitch level 10 octaves up. And and that's just how I roll. But for our little sugars who do have these disfluencies, we really want to slow down our rate of speech. We want to avoid asking sugar to repeat. And yes, I did mention that before, but I'm going to mention it again. Avoid at all costs asking your sugar to repeat. As a matter of fact, world changer, even if you don't have a sugar who stutters, avoid asking your sugar to always repeat. Would you like to be asked to repeat yourself every time you were disfluent? Like, come on, let's be reasonable. Like, can you imagine sitting in your boss's office? Well, okay, being on a Zoom call (laughs) with your boss and they're asking you to repeat everything you said all the time. It's not fun. So let's not do that, right? Just if you want them to do better the next time, my suggestion is to repeat what they said the way that they're supposed to say it. And that's that auditory feedback. We might have to talk about auditory feedback. I think we might have to include that one because I think that one will really help out too. Anyway, our role is also to ask less questions. Why? Again, It has to do with the processing and the less that they have to process and think about, the more, the easier it is for them to get the words out. And that has nothing to do with intellect or cognition 
It has nothing to do with their ability to think. It all has to do with us being, again, sensitive and considerate of where they're coming from. Again, I know some little sugars who are diagnosed stutterers who are A students, has nothing to do with that. Not in most cases, right? And the final thing that we could do is avoid frustration. Avoid, you know, are, are those, those facial expressions. And if you guys have looked at any of my YouTube videos, then you know, my facial expressions are ridiculous. And people tell me that I have crazy facial expressions. And again, you have to learn how to control that. I've had to learn how to control that. And you again, have to learn how to control your response because we want to make sure that we're putting them in a position to where they can win. And again, when we don't, do these things, when we don't act in these ways, we put our sugars under pressure. And the more pressure, the more anxious they can become. And over time, they can start to avoid talking in social situations, which creates social isolation, which makes them possibly avoid words that have certain trends attached to them. If I know I'm going to always stutter on sounds that have that come at the beginning or the front of my mouth, then I might avoid those, which might in return make my vocabulary look limited. It's not necessarily limited. It's just I don't want to get stuck in that disfluency. Think about that fall again. Every time you you go outside, you fall and you fall in front of everybody and everybody reminds you that you fall. And so what are you going to do? Avoid walking. Avoid going outside. You might hear sugar using lots of ums. You might hear sugar being what would be perceived as socially awkward or rude, talking over people. And you're like, why are you talking over me? Stop talking over me. Give me a second to say a word in edgewise. And they're not trying to be rude. They just don't want to get stuck. And so what can we do outside of those tips and tools? We can get evaluated by a speech and language pathologist, a licensed speech and language pathologist. And you can go to www.asha.org to find a local provider in your area that will tool you up and give you strategies and techniques. And one of the things about stuttering therapy, the first part is really all about education. And I've had some world changers out there who are like, well, why aren't we getting straight into therapy? And why aren't we? And it's like, well, because if you don't have the education behind it, How will you know what it means and how to use the tools when it's time to get tooled up when out in the community? The other thing that you can do, especially for your sugar, or even if you're listening to this and you're an adult that has um, a diagnosed speech disfluency, is join a support group. Yes, especially for kids, older kids too, where they're at that, that age and stage where everything that the world thinks about them matters. Getting them community is key because they need to know that just because they have this stutter, it doesn't make them any less valuable than somebody who does not have the same diagnosis. So world changers, you know, I love hanging out with you guys and giving you guys this information, bringing it to you guys makes my heart happy because I know that you guys are getting tooled up and you're executing this stuff and you guys have been getting giving amazing feedback. Look, there's another disfluency. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> you guys keep sending in your questions and I have a magical time with you guys. 
And this wraps up today's show, but I want you guys to continue to send in your questions, continue to, you know, join this community so we can get educated, so we can recalibrate the way that we're approaching this parenting thing. And then after we become better at that, we can advocate on our sugar's behalf. Because the more that we know and the more educated we are, the more we can do to help them out. And then the more we can go out into the world and do what's best for them. Remember, world changers, our goal is to get educated. And by us getting educated, we have all this new knowledge and then we can apply it and recalibrate the way that we think and the way that we're approaching this parenting thing. And then in return, we can advocate on our sugar's behalf to make sure that they're getting the tools that they need as we're getting the tools that we need to help them through. And don't forget about the tool that I created just for you, maintaining a healthy you. Go to www.iheartspeechtherapy.com, download your free copy, join the mailing list, keep spreading the word. That's the best thing that you can do for me as I continue to give all this awesome information to you. And finally, tune in to next week's episode where we'll continue with the what is series. And we're going to be talking about what is a speech sound delay. And I'm going to have fun with this one. If you thought I had fun today, you just wait until next week, you guys. Until the next time, y'all take care.